Welcome to Beyond the Show, the podcast home of all things Cannabis Conference. My name is Eric Sandy, and I'm the digital editor of the Cannabis Group at GIE Media. Have you checked out the July issue of Cannabis Business Times yet? We've got the good folks from Standard Wellness on the cover, detailing the journey to becoming a multi-state operator. Whether that's your team's aspiration or not, this feature is full of helpful lessons learned along the way in the cannabis space, so make sure you check it out. We've also got a great column from Kenneth Morrow on THC or terpenes being the guiding qualities in cannabis product differentiation. If you read one thing today, after listening to this week's Beyond the Show interview, of course, make it Ken's column. And speaking of this week's interview, our guest is Dr. Raymond Cloyd, professor and extension specialist at Kansas State University's Department of Entomology. Raymond's expertise is on pest management in greenhouses, nurseries, landscapes, turf grass, conservatories, interior scapes, Christmas trees, and vegetables and fruits, and cannabis. He's got a major clientele that includes homeowners, master gardeners, and professional and commercial operators. His guidance on plant protection and pest management has proven critical for cannabis growers across the U.S. At Cannabis Conference 2022, Raymond will be speaking on the all-access panel, University Research Roundup, the latest in cultivation science. Please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Raymond Cloyd. Well, good morning, Raymond, and thanks so much for joining the show this week. Very glad to get a chance to talk to you ahead of your presentation at Cannabis Conference 2022. I know uh, the team and I, of course, have seen you speak at our show several times in the past. Always exciting. You have a great stage presence, and it's going to be fun to have you up there again this year. Of course, you've written for Cannabis Business Times a number of features about insects and pest control and, and IPM. Um, but yeah, what drew you to study insects in the first place? Well, Eric, that's a good question. I've always been interested in biology or sciences throughout my uh, my uh, life, uh, per se. And uh, <clears throat> I think it was around high school, I really was fascinated by uh, just the, the morphological, just all the wonders of insects, the, the morpho- different morphology, uh, their, their evolutionary processes. It's very fascinating for dealing with it with a group of uh, organisms that are uh, by far the largest on, on the on the planet. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And um, you know, especially with with a, a crop like like cannabis, uh, and uh, you know, cannabis being relatively new to the legal and regulatory side of things, I'm curious: were there certain crops that that you were working with most when you first started out? Well, I'm primarily in the horticultural entomology realm, Eric, which includes uh, ornamentals in greenhouse, nursery, landscape. I do turf grass uh, and vegetables and fruits, Christmas trees uh, and cannabis and hemp, and and also work with the pollinators, the beekeepers and such. But it's mostly horticulture. I don't deal with the field crops, corn, soybean, cotton, rice. That's handled by uh, another entomologist. So uh, it's it's quite diverse, uh, the horticulture industry and, and cannabis in itself is part of that. And cannabis, as a result of uh, being grown in greenhouse production systems or outdoors, has its uh, cadre of insect or mite pests that we deal with, uh, which is almost the same as those that deal with ornamental plants, whether you're talking about bedding plants, others. I mean, you, you know, aphids and mites and thrips uh, probably are at the top of the list. And then you can probably talk about fungus gnats and, you know, the infamous hemp russet mite, which is a different mite than the two-spotted spider mite. So the 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 multitude or the the insect mite pests that are are common in ornamental production in greenhouses is going to be similar to what uh, 
a cannabis grower will experience when they're growing indoors. Yeah, and um, again, before getting into some of those specifics uh, regarding uh, the pests themselves, when did you start getting involved with the cannabis plant? Uh, of course, it's like I said, sort of new on the legal and regulatory radar for many of us. Um, but for you personally, how did you start intersecting with cannabis? Well, uh, that's a good question. I think it was four or five years ago. I was contacted by several producers in the Colorado. This is when Colorado was taking the lead in both uh, medicinal and recreational uh, cannabis. And they really had nobody to go to. Uh, in terms of greenhouse production systems. These were either warehouse or they were growing in greenhouses. And I just, uh, uh, as a consultant, went out there and helped them to develop these, what I call aggressive plant protection programs. Uh, it's all proactive to, to minimize pest problems because they don't have any materials to spray. Uh, or if they are, they're very limited in scope. Um, and you're talking about a plant that's consumable in a sense, you got to be careful for TAC content, and CBD oil composition. So uh, I've been really involved with that, working with two of the big producers in Colorado. And uh, the reputation must have been going around now dealing with a number of operations, not just in the Midwest, but also the USA. Yeah. When, when you were first devising those kinds of plant protection programs in Colorado or elsewhere, uh, did the cannabis plant provide uh, a different set of challenges that either other plants don't have with regard to insects or that, that you just hadn't seen before? Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting question because, you know, uh, early on the plant really is, has no hairs, but later on as it develops and gets bud, it has trichomes or hairs. And that becomes, that becomes a problem when you're dealing with spider mites. And when I went out to these operations, uh, they were dealing with spider mites when cannabis was in bud and there are all these hairs and trichomes on it. And that point, it was a lost cause. I mean, you just have to throw the crop away. So as a consequence of that, we started developing these proactive, aggressive programs early on when the plant doesn't have the trichomes or hairs that would impede the ability of predatory mites and other biological control agents to uh, manage the pest population. So really it was, and, and that, but, but that would go for any crop, but specifically for cannabis, because in that change in morphology later on when it's getting into the bud stage. Yeah. And actually, before we get a little too far along this conversation, I figured maybe we could set some definitions in place. I'm sure a lot of our, our listeners uh, know what IPM means, but could you take a minute to define that and, and what it means in the context of growing cannabis? Yeah. Uh, IPM refers to integrated pest management, and it is a, it's a holistic system that puts together many of the approaches, cultural, physical, uh, chemical and biological, integrating them together if you can. I have personally not, don't use IPM anymore, Eric, because we've overused it. And some people refer to it as IPAY more. Uh, I now say plant protection. And plant protection is, uh, is protecting your crops from harmful organisms, which can include fungi, bacteria, and viruses. So uh, when we talk about plant protection, it's going through the typical scouting, cultural, physical, all the, the management strategies that can be employed, some, you might use four out of the five, six, or just two, but really the key is scouting because you need to detect populations early on if you're going to release these biological control agents. And that's really critical. I gave a talk this weekend to some cannabis growers and highlighting the importance and the need to scout to detect populations early, then you can make your decision to purchase biological control agents uh, ahead of time. Mm -hmm. <coughs> What does a, a good scouting strategy look like? I know you've talked about this at the show before, but um, what are some best practices there? 
Okay, uh, scouting, define it is what you're doing with scouting is you determine, we call the trends or patterns in those insect and mite populations during the growing season. And it could be either passive scouting, where you put up traps, yellow sticky cards, blue sticky cards, or active when you're out there doing visual inspections. Now remember, some insects will be caught on yellow sticky cards, some will not, like spider mites can't fly. So you're gonna have to implement, or you're gonna have to do visual inspections, whether it be looking at plants, or we call the beat method. You put a uh, clipboard to a white piece of paper, you shake the plants, and you look what's on the paper. And that's a really good uh, indication about what is active at time of year. And, and, and when you're scouting and, and maybe pursuing that kind of method, should you be hitting different parts of the room or um, how, do you, how do you take stock of a, a large crop when you're just looking at individual areas of that crop, if that makes sense? Yeah, you can do this two ways, Eric. You can do what we call the random search, going through the greenhouse and then randomly picking out plants, or you can flag certain plants, use those as indicator plants throughout the greenhouse and always go to those. That way you're not having to go through the entire crop. And that and both those will be successful. But the one with the flagging one, uh, the reason I like it is because you're always going after the same plant. And that gives you an idea what the trends are on that plant. Now, is that representative of what's going to occur in the greenhouse and the rest of the crop? Um, it could, but maybe not. But at least it gives you a heads up about what's happening on certain plants throughout the greenhouse. Yeah. Um, what are some misconceptions about plant protection that you tend to correct when you go out and, and talk to cannabis growers? Uh, well, there, there's there's several misperceptions, but uh, you know, one of the, the pro I think it's more of a problem, not mis a misperception, Eric, is is that um, you know releasing biologicals. You can't release them when the insect or mite pests are present and, and reproducing. It's too late. You have to release biologic control agents almost before you see the pest. Uh, because of the fact that they, you know, they take time to catch, they take time to attack and feed in the pest population. Um, the other thing is, you know, the quality assessment. Uh, we do know that dead insects don't kill live insects. So we really focus in on making sure that your biologicals are alive. Don't assume that they're alive when they come in. You need to check the mites or the parasitoids and their means to do In our laboratory, we've been doing this for five years and I believe I presented it at the cannabis conference is making sure that what you order is alive prior to releasing into the greenhouse. Because again, if your predatory mites are dead, uh, they're not going to manage the population. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask sort of a, a, maybe a cheesy question and it was going to be something along the lines of, you know, what's your favorite pest? Instead of that, I was curious if, um, I mean, I don't know if you have a favorite one, but if there's a most interesting pest that you kind of enjoy talking about or, or warning growers about. Uh, that's a loaded. I, 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 I like them all. There's a million of them, but I mean, uh, the, the ones I've been dealing with over my career, like Western flower thrips, uh, fungus hats and mealy bugs, uh, both, all three of those are fascinating, their biology and, and mealy bugs and thrips are very difficult to deal with because of their propensity to develop resistance or develop means of avoiding uh, contact with insecticides and even biologic control agents. Uh, but there's a whole slew of the a whole plethora of insects that uh, I find very fascinating because of their biology, morphology, or just how they've evolved. I think, you know, monarch butterflies uh, to me are very fascinating how they've evolved with milkweed plants. And you have this arms race between the plant defending itself and the butterfly uh, larva needing to eat it to get the cardenolide. So then it's poisonous predators as an adult. So, you know, it's just, 
that's that's the one there are others out there but that's those are some that i just right off the top of my head i can i can uh, remember yeah um of course at cannabis conference this year you'll be speaking about uh you'll be speaking on our uh, research panel um we'll be covering other topics as well but of course you'll be talking about insects and, and cannabis um over the last six 12 months what have you been working on lately uh in in the cannabis world specifically yeah, uh, we, we haven't done much research because of the restrictions in the Midwest, Eric, but what we have been doing, and it's been very uh, it's very enjoyable, is working with cannabis producers to implement biocontrol programs, and they've all been successful. Uh, it's a learning curve, but again, they have to develop an established scouting program, and then that allows them to implement the release of biologic control agents. And uh, it's been very uh, satisfying to me to see these successful programs being implemented, because to me, cannabis is a 100% biologic control program um, and it does work. And so I'll be highlighting some of the, uh, the, the previous experiences and the newest ones, our newest one, St. Louis and others, St. Louis, Missouri, uh, that the producers sending emails, and I'm, I'm always there for them to call, have been very uh, satisfied with the results of their biocontrol programs in dealing with thrips, mites, aphids, uh, the, the typical cannabis insect pests or mite pests that would be problematic. Yeah. Um, I know, you know, in, in a lot of what we're talking about here, time is of the essence. And um, we, we've used that in a couple of questions and answers so far. So I'm curious um, to a business that might be just getting off the ground or they might be building out an indoor facility right now to begin growing later in the year or next year with a new license. What are some early considerations, whether that's in the facility design itself or just um, getting in touch with, with someone like you, pension specialist, you know, in, the, in their neck of the woods um, to begin educating themselves on this? Yeah, uh, I mean, the structure can be an issue. We, uh, there's one operation, their, their irrigation system was, was not conducive for, for the crop. We thought it had been designed for another crop. Uh, they are making the adjustments. But I think really is, is just trying to get a, a handle of what your potential pests are. And, and, we, and if you're growing indoors, we, we know what those are. Thrips, aphids, and spider mites are the big three, hemp russet mite. So it's kind of really we recommend just reading uh, the information. And I have written articles and other colleagues have written articles. And there's plenty of information out there. Uh, understanding the biology and life cycle of these. And that will help you to determine or develop these scouting programs and consequently determine what biological control agents are commercially available uh, for use against these insect or mite pests. And, and they, they are, we have predatory mites for thrips. We have predatory mites for two-spot spider mite. We have a uh, parasitoids for uh, aphids. Uh, so there is, uh, and most of the companies out there have these commercially available. And, and so if that's where the, so the success of these programs is contingent on availability of these biological control agents. Mm -hmm. I know uh, we've, we've mentioned indoor environments, of course, and it seems to me like the outdoor environment opens a whole other uh, can of worms, so to speak. Um, I guess in a general sense, um, what are some baseline outdoor considerations for pests? I'm sure this varies by region, but um, if you're an outdoor grower in Northern California, what does this conversation look like as you're talking about pests? When you're talking about growing cannabis and in, in, in hemp, which I deal with also mm -hmm. outdoors, um, you're dealing with a, a whole different complex of pest problems because 
of the in, these insects are out there. You're putting a crop like a field crop. So you're getting a host of caterpillars, leafhoppers, beetles, uh, sucking insects. And so the, the complex of the insect in my pest is much more diverse and it's larger than you would see uh, or a grower or producer would experience in an indoor type situation. And in that case, scouting is critical. You really can't do biological. Um, and so scouting is really critical in that case because you don't want to be in it. You know, so for example, when a soybean or corn crop is harvested and your uh, cannabis crops outdoors, uh, it's going to be a magnet for, for certain insects and mite pests to, for them to feed upon. Yeah. And in, in terms of, uh, of them being magnets, so to speak, I'm curious too, if and this could be indoor or outdoor, but if different phases of the cannabis plant growth cycle are more alluring to, to pests, if that makes sense. It does make sense, Eric. It's a good question because it goes into what we call seasonality of pests. Uh, you'll get pests, now we're talking outdoors, you'll get pests that might be from early on, like aphids or leafhoppers, uh, maybe mid-season, maybe some beetles, cucumber beetles might be a problem. And then later on, when the crop is in bud, then you get like corn earworm be a problem, which is a major pest outdoors in cannabis and hemp, hemp crops feeding on the bud. So yeah, uh, there's a seasonality of when these insect or mite pests will show up. And that's what producers need to be aware of. What, they'll, what they, they should experience early, mid and late uh, during the crop production season. Yeah. Um, well, of course we're talking about plant protection, but on the other side of that coin uh, is a lack of plant protection, I, I suppose. Um, and this answer may be different depending on the pest we're talking about, but what are the consequences of uh, letting this go? I mean, certainly crop failure, I guess, is sort of where this is all leading to, but what does that look like? And, um, you know, does that become a persistent problem cycle over cycle if, if you don't address it? Yeah, if, if you basically put your crop outdoors and, and let the insects or my pests have a free-for-all, uh, you're probably going to have a very low yield as a result. Mm -hmm. You'll get the ones that come in early on and they, they may kill the plant directly. And then mid later, they're going to impact the crop and also the yield. So uh, it's the, a do nothing approach is not going to succeed. Um, if you want to make a profit, pay the bills. Yeah. You, you have to implement again, a scouting program, aggressive scouting program out there once or twice a week um, to detect these populations early on that will allow you to uh, choose some plant protection management strategy, although they are limited, but, you know, you could use like mass trapping uh, with the yellow sticky cards or vacuuming, hand picking or whatever uh, means to deal with them early on, which will be easier than when you're dealing with uh, 10,000 mites or aphids later on in the season or when corn earworm is feeding on your buds. Yeah, no doubt. Um, well, uh, as I've said uh, at past cannabis conferences, uh, your presentations have always been very uh, action oriented and giving people a lot of intelligence to take home to their business. What are you hoping attendees take home this year uh, in, in the summer of 2022 from your presentation? Yeah, what, what I really, uh, I'm trying to get the point across and I've done this in the other cannabis conferences that you've been so kind to invite me to present is that uh, biologic control does work because uh, I've had the experience with the producers and if I had them there on the panel discussion, uh, they could provide their experience with it and how successful they were. So I think that this, this idea that biocontrol it is a lot of it's work, but what, what isn't, but it is successful. And the inputs, the inputs are less so than you would 
be for like using insecticides. Uh, the, the indirect benefits are just, are a lot of them. Let me go through them. Uh, no personal protective equipment, no resistance issues, no, no residue issues. Um, the growers, the, the, the employees like to work in there because there's no residues. And uh, if, you, if you make your releases timely, you do quality assessment, uh, it, will, it will work. And this comes from my experience with some really wonderful producers that have decided to go that route. And I know there's not very many options. Uh, and that's what I like about cannabis. It's a monoculture crop uh, and uh, you can make some adjustments, but it's a learning experience. And I think that uh, when you go into it, uh, I'm willing to help producers as much as possible because I've seen the producers that are successful, they're committed and they want it to work. And consequently, as a result, it does. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, certainly excited to have you out at Cannabis Conference this year and to, and to catch up Thank on you. these topics and more. And in the meantime, of course, very glad to have you on the show this week. This was great, Raymond. Thank you very much, Eric. I look forward to being at the conference and I'll be there to answer questions if anybody has uh, any. Thank you very much, Eric. And that's a wrap on another episode of Beyond the Show. Hope you enjoyed that conversation about insects and pests with Dr. Raymond Cloyd. I know I did. Like I said at the top of that interview, Raymond is a great speaker at Cannabis Conference. He's been around for a while with the brand, as well as in the pages of Cannabis Business Times, and we're very excited to have him back this year. So make sure you check that out. Again, he's part of the all-access schedule at Cannabis Conference 2022. That's going to be kicking off the conference this year on August 23rd. The whole conference goes from the 23rd to the 25th out of the Paris, Las Vegas. And the morning of August 23rd, when things really get going, that's part of the all-access pass. Uh, you can learn more about the different passes and pricing over at CannabisConference.com. And you're going to want to pay attention because next week, depending on when you're listening to this, this episode comes out on July 22nd. Next week on July 29th, our regular pricing is going to expire. So that means discounts of up to $300 off on-site registration for things like the all-access pass or the conference expo pass. That's all going to go away on the 29th. Hopefully you're listening to this episode in time to catch that. And if you want to realize that discount, go over to CannabisConference.com, get yourself signed up. Like we, like we say pretty often here on Beyond the Show, we're going to see you out at Vegas anyway. We know you're coming. We know you're excited. Save yourself some money along the way and sign up this week. Uh, of course, you can always sign up into August and even on site, uh, but it's going to you know, going to cost you a little bit more. That price is going up. And again, make sure you peruse the all-access offerings. Dr. Raymond Cloyd is going to be a part of that lineup on August 23rd, along with a bunch of other fantastic speakers, some of whom have come through beyond the show. Others will join us later beyond the show. Literally after Cannabis Conference, we're going to keep talking to these speakers and continuing these conversations through 2022 into 2023. You know, we've got plans for Cannabis Conference 2023 already, and we're very excited to just keep the story going and that's pretty much what this podcast is for to keep things going in between the conferences that happen annually if there's a speaker at the conference that you want to hear on the podcast or, or someone else you want to hear on the podcast in the future you feel free to let us know check us out on on cannabis business times on all the different social media platforms drop a comment let us know that you're listening and you've been following along and maybe you've got a speaker you want to hear on here we will make it happen. In the meantime, check out CannabisConference.com for all the other information relating to the show. And otherwise, we'll see you out in Vegas in just a few weeks. Thanks.